Somebody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the story the Bible told in Matthew, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, about the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, put upon us your spirit, Lord, and open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear and give us understanding, Lord. Oh, glory. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the end before we start with the beginning. And they cried, but the reply was, came back was, I do not know you. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, something none of us want to hear. Oh, Lord of heaven and earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. But when you go and you live your life as you please and you maybe you go to church, maybe you say, I love Jesus. Maybe you do this, maybe you do that. But then you go to the beach and nothing but your underwear on. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, people have forgotten about modesty. They seem to think that they can read the Bible and they can say, Oh, I love Jesus and I want to do right and it's all good. And then they totally forget that Christ said, If you, if you love me, keep my commandments. His commandment was not just to love others, not just to be kind, not just to do right, not to steal, not to lie. Sure, it's the Ten Commandments. Sure, it's what's right and wrong. But he also said, holy, live holy. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, something nobody wants to talk about anymore. They want to think that it's okay that they go down half naked to the beach. Ain't nothing wrong with going to the beach if you can find some part of it that don't have naked people running all over it, drinking and smoking. What did he say? He said, and if that servant... Starts to eat and drink with the drunken. Starts to hang around with the ungodly. And starts to go where he shouldn't go and do as he shouldn't do. And then he starts acting like him to beat his fellow men's servants. To do unrighteously before God. Before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said That's, that servant's Lord will come in an hour when he doesn't expect him. That servant's Lord's coming when he doesn't look for him. And he's going to appoint his portions to the unbelievers. His portion's going to be with those that go down into the pit. But Lord, bless the servant that, that is kind to others, that helps feed his brother and his sister. Lord, blesses the servant that lives a holy and a godly life and you can go around saying, all that don't matter, all that don't matter all day long and say it right up to you burning the pit of hell. But yes, how you dress does matter. Yes, how you live does matter. Yes, how you talk does matter. Yes, what you say does matter. How you look does matter. You can't dress up and look like a devil and then claim to be a child of God. You can't dress and act like adulterers, fornicators, and murderers, and then holler that you're holy. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, ten virgins. You're all young, beautiful people. You can be a virgin, be a man, woman. In this story, I believe it was women. But it's representing ten virgins. They're not particularly, this weren't particularly evil people. No, they were all virgins. They had all waited upon Jesus. They were all waiting on their Lord. Ah, oh, glory. But five of them was always saying, oh, that don't really matter. Five of them could never find time for prayer. 
Five of them didn't know what fasting was. Five of them, they didn't know how to live holy, how to stand righteously, how to stand up for the God of Israel, how to stand up and call sin, sin, and live a righteous and a holy and a godly life, something they'd totally forgotten how to do. But five of them still remembered the old ways. Five of them still remembered back to what they'd seen their mama do and what they'd seen their grandparents do. And if they had no godly parents, they remembered what they had heard and they followed their heart and they, they turned away from sin. And when he said to live righteously and holy and dress modestly, to live godly, they took that even further maybe than they had to. Yes, they covered their bodies. They abstained from fleshly lust. They turned away from unrighteousness. Now, if you're married, there's no sin in being joined to your wife, your husband. No. But if you're not married, yes, it is. That's like the homosexuals say it's okay because they desire one another. That does not constitute what is right. That just says they're in sin just like an adulterer's in sin. Just like a fornicator's in sin. Just like a thief's in sin. Yeah, there's people that want to steal more than other people want to steal. There's people that are, some of them hard working, some of them lazy, but they just got a, a tendency to steal. It's still sin. It's still wrong. Just because they're born with more of a tendency to steal than another does not mean it's right. And just because a man or a woman is born with a desire for another of their same sex, that don't mean it's right. God has said, one man, one woman. And he said that you shall not lie with a man as if a woman, if you're a man. Now doesn't mean you can't go to heaven if you repent of these things because one sin uh, some people say one sin is not greater than another but that's not true Jesus told Pilate he said he that delivered me to you has the greater sin so we know that one sin is greater than another but still you can be forgiven of all these Paul said such were murderers idolaters and such were some of you and he was talking to the saints so you can be forgiven of these things. But just because you have a desire to sleep with your neighbor's wife does not make it right. And just because if you're a man or a woman and you have a desire to sleep with one of your same sex, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it moral. It doesn't make it godly. It just means that you have a desire to do it. My Lord, I have all kind of desires day to day. And I know what Paul meant when he says, I beat my body and put its subjection to me. Because when you let your body and your desires and your will and your, your wants rule your life, my friend, you've got but one destination, and that's the pit. Because this body you live in wants nothing but death. It wants nothing but to satisfy its own ways, its own life. It has no understanding of righteousness. It has no understanding of justice and mercy and goodness. No, that is a fight that we fight every day. Paul said, I beat my body and put it in subjection to me. I make it my slave. Because your body, this man, when you look in the mirror, you'll see your own worst enemy every day. Because that man you're looking at, that woman you're looking at in the mirror, it wants its own way. It don't want to follow God. It wants to follow the God of this world. It wants to from dust you are taken to dust you shall return. And you'll notice that it's trying to get there fast. Because everything it wants to make you do is either immoral or just bad for you. Overeating, bad for you. It's also immoral. 
committing adultery, fornication. You can get a lot of diseases that way. Sends you to the grave a little early quite often. There are so many things God has done and shown us that when we follow our own desires and our own lusts in this world, then it brings us to a quick death. Smoking, drinking, overeating, all these things bring us to an early death. But what if we live righteously? What if we fast and we pray? What if we abstain from these things? We tend to live a lot longer and be in a lot better health. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords. And what's more, we pass from this world to life. Because this world and its ways are death. But the world that's coming is life and that everlasting. And he that who shall appear in the sky and split the sky. Ah, oh, glory. Ah, oh, glory. The ten virgins, they went out. They went out to meet the bridegroom. They went out to the wedding. Now, don't be mistaken. It didn't mean that he was coming to pick one of them for his bride. He already had the bride. They were friends of the bride. They were, they were part of the bride. They were part of the ceremony, the blessing, the wedding. But they were not themselves, actually, any single one of them. But as a joint effort, I suppose, we're all going to be the bride of Christ. But it's not like that. It's not as though it were a, one single woman being picked out. But a, we're all children and brides of Christ and children of God. And It's just a metaphor. It's just something that he's trying to describe to you. That he's coming for an entity, a, not a singular person, but a singular entity. A group of people that have become the children of God, the bride of Christ. And now these ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, they were all virgins. They were all sitting on church pews. They were all in the synagogue. They were all waiting on Jesus. They had all confessed him with their mouth. But yet I guess only five of them had confessed him in their heart. For with a mouth confession is made, but if it ain't accompanied by your heart, my friend, you just opened your mouth, spoke vain words, empty words that are coming to nothing. But then you got to know that the five wise, they started building a, building a fortress about themselves and possibly their families. Building a fortress around them by their righteous living. Building a fortress around them by prayer and fasting. Building a fortress around them by kicking the devils out of their life with prayer and fasting. And living a holy and godly life so that people saw their righteousness and that they had respect to understand the ways of God, and these gave good example. They gave a good example for those that followed them, for those that looked at them, those that saw how they lived and saw how they did. But the five foolish, they just dove into the beach with their bikinis and their little pants on and looked like men walking around and stuff. I wouldn't wear his underwear. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. And thinking it's okay and then going to church maybe that Sunday. And thinking they've done nothing wrong. You can't be partakers of devils and be partakers of God's holiness. It just doesn't work that way. Now if you're living like that and you repent and you turn your heart to God. Get on your knees and ask for forgiveness and you mean it, you got it. It's there. The blood of Jesus covers it. It says if any man says that he hasn't sinned, that he calls Jesus Christ a liar. And the truth is not in him. 
But if we confess our sins, if we confess our wrongs, if we admit that He is right and that we are wrong, then He is quick to forgive our sins, quick to, quick to show mercy, and that the blood be applied in our life, and that mercy be shown. Yes, ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. The five wise, they built up a wall around them, a fortress, one that the devils couldn't get into. One, they had, they had purchased oil and wine through prayer and fasting. That's why when the five foolish virgins, their lamps went out and they said, Oh, the bridegroom has come. And all of a sudden, unexpectedly, the bridegroom comes. And the foolish virgins, they say, Oh, but give us of your wall. Share with us. Share. We, we don't have enough now. And they said, Not so, because if we give to you, then there's not enough for us. And we've got to have enough to make the journey. But the real truth of the matter is, is they couldn't give it to them if they wanted to. Because that kind of oil, that kind of wine has got to be bought through prayer and fasting. It takes time to make that purchase. It's not something you do in just a moment. Not if you're talking about the oil and the wine. Yes, salvation can be gained in a moment. But it must be accompanied by righteous living. It must be accompanied by prayer, by fasting. My friend, you can get saved in a moment. But you're going to die the next moment if you don't accompany it with the righteousness of God. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. Yes, the elect were saved from the foundation of the world. But that's because God, even our Lord Yeshua, even our Lord Yehoshua, even Jesus, He knew from the beginning the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, from the first sin, He knew what it would take to forgive the first sin. But being omnipotent and almighty, he knew who would be saved from the foundation of the world because he knew who would live righteously. He knew who would live godly. He knew who would choose him over the gods of this world. He knew who would choose him over the things that they wanted to do. And instead of doing the things they wanted to do, would choose to live righteously, would choose to live holy, would choose to abstain from fleshly lust and turn their heart to the true and living God. That's why the elect are the elect from the foundation of the world. That's why the elect can't be deceived. Because the elect's not going to get in a place where they can be deceived. The elect's going to hear the word of God and keep it in their heart. But and if we go and start to eat and drink with the drunken. And we go and start to live as the others live and do as the others do. Then we know that our Lord shall appear in an hour when we think not. But why? Because His Word says so. And our, his, their Lord shall appear in an hour when they think not. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, and shall appoint their portion with the unbelievers. But the foolish, they went out and they tried to find the oil and the wine quickly. They went out and tried to gather it. But while they were gone, the bridegroom came. And the five wise that were ready, they went in with the bridegroom, and the door was shut. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. That doesn't mean Jesus took five wives. They were simply part of the bride, part of the children of God, part of the kingdom. They were accepted in just as you'll be if you live righteously, holy, godly, 
turn your heart to Him and do what's right and just. But if you continue to live as the world does, and if people look at you and they can't tell any difference between you and somebody else that lives in a gutter, they can't tell any difference between you and somebody that just... If there just ain't no difference, my friend, then chances are you ain't different. Because if you're different, if you're saved, if you're called out from among them, there ought to be something different about you. You might look the same. You might stand beside a man, woman in a nice suit, a nice dress, a nice, nice well-dressed, modest dress. But even then, both of you dressed with apparel that looks the same. There should be something different about you if somebody's around you for five or ten minutes. They ought to notice something different about you. That you don't act that way. That you don't do those things. That they ain't, it ain't like that. There ought to be a spirit about you that's just different than the spirit of this world. Oh, glory. Because trust me, that other person that ain't living for God, they've entertained spirits that should be felt on them too if you got any feeling. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. But when you've lived that way so long, when you become so blind to the things that are done in this world and you start to think that it's all okay everything's all right and you've been blinded by the god of this world and you'll be as the five foolish virgins that ran out of oil and while they were gone to buy the bridegroom came and the door was shut and they came back and started beating on the door and they cried and they said lord open to us but the reply came from inside i do not know you Oh, Lord God, Lord God, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be calling on my Lord and hear I don't know you. But it could happen to me just like it could happen to you. Start wandering off in this world. Start wandering off into things that don't profit. Or if you're already there, just stay there. See if you make the rapture. See if you make God's kingdom. See if he calls you out. No, I want to be somewhere listening for my name. Ah, oh, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to be like Lazarus. I want to be somewhere listening for my name. Jesus, Master. King of kings and Lord of lords. Raise me up out of the dirt, Lord. Don't let me lay there forever. And I believe when you pass, your consciousness goes on where it's going to be right then. I really believe that, and I believe the Scripture bears it out. The story I've told before, the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, not Jesus' friend that he raised from the dead, but another Lazarus, laid at the rich man's gate. Both died. The rich man was carried off into the pit of hell. The Lazarus, taken up by the angels, given into Abraham's bosom which is another metaphor. It's just a place where they kept them before the dead were really raised and before Christ had been resurrected and it's called Abraham's bosom. Now, I don't understand all that. There's things we just don't know and there's things we never will know until we get to the other side. But Paul said, then shall I know as I am known. And he was talking about when he passes over. He says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now, if he was just going to lay in the dirt and rot, I don't think he'd have said that was far better. But Paul said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he said. 
Now, we can't all say that because we're not all living like he was living. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. And unexpectedly, the bridegroom came. And before the foolish could get renewed, before the foolish could call on their Lord and get forgiveness, before the foolish could understand what they'd even done wrong, the door was shut. Because he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, my friend, when he appears, and your time for him to appear might be today, you never know when you're going to meet your Lord. But when he splits that sky, the apostle Paul wrote, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, there's not going to be time to fall on your knees and say, Jesus, forgive me. There's not going to be time to start calling out for prayer, calling out for God, calling your pastor. There ain't going to be time for that. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and we shall be changed. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and remaining shall be caught up in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. I won't get into all the rest of that because we're going to call this one to a close. But remember, my friends, it's not just about a one-time thing of saying, I love Jesus. It's not just about saying, I want to see Jesus come back. You've got to be living righteously. You've got to be living holy. The Apostle Peter said, without holiness, no man will see the Lord, at least not in peace. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus is coming back again, my friend. But he's not coming back as a carpenter's son this time. He's not coming back in a meek and lowly fashion. But as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the righteous judge upon whom every man must stand before. Just pray that you've already been judged. Pray that you're already a part of the household of faith and already of his family. That when he appears, you're caught up in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. So obviously, that judgment is for those that he's not quite sure about. That judgment is for those that he knows didn't make it. But if you're walking close enough to him and you're calling on his name and he knows you, when that sky splits... When the dead arise, raised, uncorruptible, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Upon them the second death has no power. When the dead are raised, incorruptible, and we that are alive and remaining are caught up in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Do I believe in the rapture? Yes, indeed I do. But I tend to believe that it's very, very possible that the rapture is going to happen at the same time he destroys the Antichrist, because that's the way 2 Thessalonians says it. It says that he shall destroy the Antichrist with the splendor of his return. So if he's going to destroy him, it sounds like all this takes place at the same time. So we'll just have to wait and see, my friends. Me, I hope the other guys are right. I hope he splits the sky, comes and snatches us away tomorrow. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, but then how many would be lost? Then how many of our loved ones wouldn't make it? If you love your children, if you love your family, you better be praying, my friend. You better be living righteously and holy and godly because, yes, if there's something about you, if you're housing the spirit of the living God inside of you, then when someone's sick or ill, he just might hear you. He just might heal your family. He just might bring salvation to your home, not just you. We don't know. 
Jesus said, There come the time when a house shall be divided, two against three and three against two. But there's also when Paul said that the Philippian, the Philippian jailer, that his whole house was saved. So yes, your whole house can be saved. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you don't see that a lot anymore because of the division that Christ has brought between righteous and unrighteous, between godly and ungodly, between the way of the old and the way of the new. He said, you can't pour new wine in old bottles because they'll want the old and the new wine will expand and burst the bottle. And that's the way it is when Jesus comes in your heart. If you're too set in your old ways, you can't receive him. But if you do receive him, and ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, that word expands in your life and the joy comes forth. You'll never be the same. I don't care how much sin's around me. I don't care how bad my body maybe want to drug into it maybe I falter fail and fall in a day and then have picked myself back up I can never live that way I just can't ever be happy in that mully grub that that wretchedness that once you've tasted the good things of God that are to come once he's once he's got a hold of you you may be laying in the midst of sin but you'll never be happy it'll never work out for you because once you've tasted the good things of God, once God has saved your soul, once Jesus has come into your heart, you can't ever be happy without him. It don't matter how much money you get, how many things you get that please you. It's all going to come to nothing and you're going to be miserable. So my friend, get on your knees and pray. Fast, push back that plate sometimes if you're able. Live godly. Turn away from the sins of this world. Turn away from the way people look at things in this world and understand that you've got to live righteously and holy and godly. There's got to be something different about you. The Lord bless you and keep you. And may the love of God fill your heart because if you truly love Jesus, these other things are not so hard. May the Lord bless you. And I want to see all of us make it to heaven. For it is not the will of God that any perish, but all come to repentance. I always hear about unconditional love. My friend, God's love may be unconditional, but every promise of salvation always hinges on that one condition of repentance. Turn away from what things you've done. Call on Jesus and confess your sins. And tell him how much you love him and how much you want him and how much you want to live what, and do what is pleasing before him. And every day try to live it. You may fall every day. You may mess up every day. But every day get on your knees and beg forgiveness. Every day get on your knees and ask God to help you be stronger tomorrow. For if a righteous person falls seven times in one day, he picks himself up, asks forgiveness, and walks again. Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Jesus loves you. And I love you. Lord bless you.